Amen. What an awesome time of worship. Praise God. Well, let's give Jesus a big round of praise tonight before we start. As we turn to the book of Mark, chapter 13, Mark chapter 13, it's good to see some of my dear old friends, and when I say old, it just means I hadn't seen you in a while, uh, not necessarily by age, but uh, we had a great time, Brother Dennis with you today, and at the church, and we sang a little bit, we prayed a little bit, and good to see you and your lovely wife here tonight, and all those who are visiting, let's give the visitors a nice warm welcome here tonight. Amen. Once again, Brother Marvin and Diane, it's an honor and a privilege to be with y'all and spend time with you at your house. And we miss you and we love you, brother, so it's a good time of revival for us just being able to fellowship with y'all. In case you guys don't know it, you've got a wonderful pastor and a pastor's wife. Hold up their arms, support them, pray with them. If you want to see God move, you've got to pull together and keep going in the same direction. So... I want you to encourage them as they encourage you. You're praying for revival, then guess what? There has to be unity if you're going to see revival. Pulling in the same direction for one purpose and one purpose alone, to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Colossians 1.18, Christ is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things Christ might have the preeminence. The only one that's unural numero around here is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We must decrease and He must increase if we want to see revival, folks. Uh, Mark chapter 13. Get my glasses. We're going to start in verse 1. And I want to talk to you tonight about plain words of travail. Plain words of travail, and according to the book of Mark, from the lips of Jesus, folks, this is all headed towards a one-on-one confrontation with God. Is this where it's going to end up? And whether this world's ready or not, whether they believe it or not, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back in all of His glory, and I'm telling you, He's going to clean this mess up, folks, because right now it's in a mess. I'm 56 years old. Some of you are older than me. Some of you are a lot younger. But I want to tell you something, folks. People can say what they want. It's never been this bad. As a global pandemic, and it's not COVID-19, it's called sin and unrighteousness and wickedness. And I'm telling you, it's spreading like a bonfire. But hey, you just remember this. God created it, and He's coming back, and He's going to restore it. Without a doubt, Jesus is coming back according to the Word of God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I need you. I'm nothing without you, but you said in your Word, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So, Lord, I call upon your precious and holy name to preach your Word, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would be exalted through the preaching and teaching of your Word, Lord God, that I would move out of the way and the only words that would come out of my mouth would be words, Lord God, as I meditate on your word, that would please the Lordship of Jesus, that he would be exalted, that your word would go forth in mighty power, that lost sinners would repent and be saved by the grace of God. And Lord, those that are saved would hear your voice, dear God, 
There would be correction, instruction in righteousness, repentance. The backslider in heart would be restored, Lord. Those who had odds would be reconciled. Those who have grown cold would get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. We pray, dear God, you fill this church with your glory, that your will would be done. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, our great God and Savior, we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Let's read a few scriptures together in the book of Mark, chapter 13. The Bible says, As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign uh, when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus began to say to them, See to it that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. Those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Be on your guard. For they will deliver you to the courts, and they will flog, be flogged. You will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. Folks, Jesus never minced words. He got right to the point. You didn't have to try to guess or take a test or figure out what the Lord Jesus Christ was trying to say. And he makes it abundantly clear right here in this passage of the plain words of travail. The first thing we see are plain words of travail. Right here in verse 24, the Bible says, But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Jesus had just come out of the court of women in the temple. He was watching the hypocrisy of the Pharisees as they gave their tithes and offerings and they came in and these trumpet formed uh, uh, metal trumpet formed uh, uh, metal trumpet formed deals to put their tithes and offerings in and they were bringing it in and they were hypocritically well I'm tongue tied tonight they were hypocritically showing their religion why Jesus was watching them a little widow comes with two mites and she gives hers and Jesus says hey if you want to see greatness Look at this lady. This is what's great. She gave all that she had. She didn't give for show. She didn't give to be recognized by anyone. She gave out of the goodness of her heart because she loved God Almighty. Jesus witnessed this hypocrisy. He's going across to the Mount of Olives. And they're going to have a beautiful view of the temple as him and his disciples are sitting there. 
They sit in there with this beautiful view of the temple. The work started on this temple in 20 B.C., and here Jesus is sitting with his disciples 50 years later, and it's not completed. He's sitting on the site of the Mount of Olives, and he's looking across at Mount Moriah where the temple was built. Herod started this temple. He put a retaining wall around this mounted area, and he backfilled it, and the temple was high enough and could be seen from a far ways off. He's looking at this temple sitting across on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples are there, and Jesus mentions the prophetic word of God. The prophecy mentioned is in chapter 13, verse 2. He says, not one stone will be left upon another. If you do a historical study of the destruction of that temple in A.D. 70, the Roman general Titus comes into town. He dismantles all of these stones, and he begins to tear them down, and he ransacks Jerusalem. And it happens just like Jesus said it would happen. And then we see the prophecy is accepted. In verse 4, the disciples say, Tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled. It's interesting that the same place Jesus is sitting and teaching about the destruction of Jerusalem and a temple being torn down, that's the same place he taught about his return, and the same place he taught what it meant to be a true disciple. You tie those thoughts together, and what do you get? Jesus is coming back, and we as disciples need to be living in view of Christ's return. We need to be aware that our Savior's coming back. And one godly man said, we don't want to be caught. We want to be caught up, Amen. I don't want to be on the sidelines whining. I want to be on the battlefield standing strong for the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophecy is accepted. The disciple says, tell us when these things will be. And then we see only the saved get rescued, folks, in the Bible. Only the disciples, they want to know the details on the timing of these events. And then we see the prophecy applied. Right here in verse 5, Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you. A church, there's a lot of people being misled in the day and age we live in. There's three divisions of time leading into this passage of Scripture. The first thing we see is time leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in verse 2. Then we see the time of future tragedies. It's all coming to an end in verse 19. He says these days of time of tribulation will be such as had not occurred since the beginning of creation which God created into now and never will. You know, folks, right now the Bible says and teaches us that in the last days there are going to be mockers. There's going to be false teachers. Jesus talks about these three divisions of time. He talks about a time leading to the destruction of Jerusalem, a time of these tragedies, the great tribulation, and then he talks about the end times straight from his own mouth, starting in verse 24. But in these days, he says, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. You remember what Jesus said in the New Testament? He said, in the last days, it'll be like the days of Noah. Folks, if you go back to Genesis chapter 6 and read about the days of Noah, it'll give you a clear-cut description of the days that we're living in. Noah, a preacher of righteousness, preaching his heart out to a people who would not listen and would not turn. 
They've never seen rain. They've never seen a boat. They've never seen a man of God stand up and preach like Noah did in their day. And the Bible says twice in Genesis chapter 6, the whole earth was filled with violence. And I want to ask you a question tonight. Is the whole earth right now as we speak filled with violence? I want to tell you something, folks. I've never seen nothing at 56 years old like I saw during this pandemic. People use the pandemic as an excuse to argue about race and critical race theory and all of these ungodly, wicked things that are unbiblical and ungodly and unchristlike. And they use it as an excuse to go out and to shoot at cops and kill cops and burn buildings and destroy businesses. Folks, I've never seen so much violence in all my life on the streets. It's sickening and even heartbreaking that a 90-year-old could be walking down the sidewalk and is no longer safe because some punk, some thug cold cocks them and takes their cell phone or their purse. Folks, we are living in the times like the days of Noah where only violence is seen on every corner. And then he says, God looked down upon man and was sorrowful that he had created man because only evil was in his heart continually. Folks, I've never seen so much confused, evil, wickedness going on in all my life. I mean, some people don't like to hear it. I've had people get up and walk out on sermons because they don't want to hear that it's an abomination before God for a man to put on a woman's bathing suit and get in the pool and swim with women in a sport that was created for those women. And then they cry for them to get in the pool, and then when they start winning and taking first place, they want them out. People can't even make up their minds with all of this ungodliness and wickedness that's going on. They say they want something, and then when it happens, they say they don't want it. The Bible talks about a day of lawlessness. Well, there'll be no justice, folks. We're there. I mean, I saw on the news just a few days ago, someone broke into a house and got killed, and it was in one of these liberal states, and they charged the person in the house for shooting someone that broke into their house. And I got 16 good reasons why they better not break into my house. And I'm not going to have to explain that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But folks, we see the prophetic word of God. Jesus says these words of travail. They're coming, and they're not only coming, they're already here. The prophecy is applied. Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you. Three divisions, a time leading to the destruction of Jerusalem, the immediate future in A.D. 70, a time of future tragedies during the Great Tribulation, and then a time at the end of the Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon. Jesus is going to come back and end it all and set the record straight. And then he talks about the abomination of desolation in chapter 13 right here in verse 14. What is that? If you haven't studied it, the man of sin, the Antichrist, he's going to break peace with this covenant that with the Jews. And after three and a half years, at the midpoint of the tribulation, he's going to demand that the whole world worship him and those who deny worshiping him will be martyred and killed. This is where it's headed, folks. And I want to tell you something, if you ain't ready, you're going to be a part of this. But I want to tell you something, I believe in pre-trib. When I believe in uh, pre-trib, 
I believe the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation. If you want to stay here and then and go through that and you're one of those that believe you're going to be Hulk Hogan and hero Christian and Mr. Christian that come to save the day, if you can't even serve Christ right now and not be ashamed of him in a land where we're free to worship God freely, you'll never make it during the great tribulation, folks. I want to tell you great delusion is going to come upon those who reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the judgment of God they'll be turned over to the Antichrist. They will not trample the blood of Jesus Christ under their feet. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation, the scriptures say. Today if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart as those in the day of the witness. Folks, Jesus is coming. You better be ready. And if you're not, you're going to spend eternity in a place called hell, separated from God. No love, no mercy, no grace, no second opportunities. You don't get a second opportunity in hell. You will never, ever lay eyes on a thrice holy God if you miss the rapture and you miss bowing your knee now. The acceptable time of grace when you can give your heart and your life to Christ and serve him faithfully. And I want to testify, I've never seen a dissatisfied customer. I got saved when I was 27 years old and everybody that has walked the aisle and been baptized and repented of their sins and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you folks, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to them in all of their life. Saved by the grace of God. We see this abomination of desolation Jesus talks about. We see in verse 26, they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and great glory. Folks, I want to tell you, we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to go out with a bang regardless of how you feel this morning. But then he comes back for the faithful remnant who have rejected the Antichrist, that have surrendered to Christ during that great tribulation, and he even comes back and gets the rest of the gang, praise God. Not one soul will be left behind that's washed by the precious blood of Jesus. Not one born-again Christian is going to have to go through the rejection, the separation, the unrest, no peace, a tribulation like this world has never seen before. Folks, just about the time you think it's getting bad right now, I want to tell you something else tops it the very next day. We're living in a life right now with unprecedented wickedness on every corner. People in broad daylight kicking down doors, robbing people at gunpoint, walking out. Folks, they used to do it at night. Now they do it in the middle of the day. And these are all signs that the very nearness of Christ is coming. And I wonder if you're ready tonight. Do you know him? Are you saved by his grace? We see the nearness of Christ in this passage. The nearness of Christ's return, if you look in verse 29, it says, Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Now, when you look at verse 30, it says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Now, some people try to go back to 1948 and cram it in this context of Scripture. And that's kind of hard to do because it just is not there. It's not in those scriptures. But when you look at this word generation in the Greek, the context means a race or a line. A race of people he's talking about. 
And right now, these two scriptures are talking about the Jews. And what he was simply saying in verse 29 and verse 30, even so, he's near, right at the door. This generation will not pass. Then ones he are talking, he's talking to. Well, if he's talking to them right there, that means he would have returned before he, they died. But guess what? That didn't happen. So that don't fit into this context. But what he's simply saying, listen to me carefully. Jesus is simply saying, in spite of the events to do with the temple and the tribulation and Armageddon, my Jewish people will not pass away and be destroyed before they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And all this what we see with Russia and China trying to join arms. Russia trying to come through Ukraine and set up shop so they can come across down through where that Black Sea area is and come against Israel. Zechariah said that all the nations of the world are going to turn against Israel. No one will be left standing to defend Israel except God. And that's all they need. Folks, I want to tell you, you look at this country that we live in, and I thank God I'm an American citizen. I've got liberty and freedom to get up and preach, but those liberties are soon disappearing. I want to tell you something, folks. The last few presidents we had, besides Trump, are enemies of Israel. And the nation whose Lord is not the Lord thy God will be turned into hell, folks. We've gotten so far away from God and the gospel and the preaching and teaching of the unadulterated Word of God is why we're in the shape we're in. The further you get away from God, the more immoral you come. The further you get away from God, there's no answer, there's no hope. But I want to tell you there is a fountain filled with blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins, and every sinner beneath that blood lose all their guilty saints. I'm telling you, you can trust God. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can be washed by the blood of the Lamb and get your name put in the Ram's, Lamb's book of life and you can get on out of here and escape this adulterous and wicked generation that we live in. But your only hope, I want to tell you tonight, is Jesus. That's why I love singing about Jesus and living for Jesus. I tell people all the time, he got me off that dope and gave me some hope. Got me off that rock gut wine and put me on that New Testament wine. The blood of Jesus. I tell you folks, I don't fear the direction we headed in. I fear the ones who don't know Christ is what I fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anointeth my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely in mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and Endeavor, endeavor, amen. Truly I say to you, God's chosen people will be here when he returns. But all the nations of the world are going to turn against the nation of Israel. You think about this for a second. He says, when you see these things happen and recognize in verse 29, he's near. I'm going to give you a checklist. 
And then I want to explain something to you right quick. I'll give you a checklist. When we see what things? Jesus says when we see these things happen in verse 29, recognize he's near. Well, look in verse 6. False preachers and teachers in verse 6. He says, many will come in my name saying I am he and he will mislead many. False teachers and preachers are going to arise. And then he says, it's going to be wars and rumors of wars in verse 7. Verse 7, he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be frightened. These things must take place. Folks, I never heard so much threats right now of people nuking each other. Everybody's threatening right now to press the button, press the button, press the button. Wars, and people say, well, they've been fighting all these years. Not like the wars that's fixing to come, folks. I'm telling you, there's so many countries armored up with nuclear warfare heads right now. When they start pressing them buttons, I'm telling you, you're going to see destruction and obliteration like you've never seen in your life. World War II and World War I, the Korean War and Vietnam will have nothing on the wars that are coming and leading up to the return of Jesus. Nothing. He says wars and rumors of wars. And then in verse 8, he says, nation will rise up against nation. Verse 8, earthquakes in various places, also famines. You think of that, famines, folks. I know they had the Great Depression, and I understand that. But folks, just here, everybody was freaking out just when during COVID, stuff was just disappearing off of the shelves like ghosts. I mean, you try to find peanut butter. I couldn't find Frito-Lays, man, hardly anywhere I went. And what was up with that? I don't know, but you couldn't find it. Milk, bread, meat. I mean, stuff just disappearing. Yet the Antichrist is going to take control in all of his wickedness. If you don't take that mark, I want to tell you something. You won't be able to eat. You won't be able to buy food. You won't be able to pump gas. You don't better go in a restaurant unless you take the mark of the beast and you don't take the stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're done. And Folks, I don't believe that's for people who sat in pews and heard the gospel all their life. I believe the Bible clearly teaches if you understand the gospel right now and it's been preached to you, you better respond and get saved before it's too late. You better respond to God and give your heart and life to Jesus before the rapture takes place if you've heard and understand the gospel. He says, nation will rise against nation, earthquakes in various places, famines. He says in verse 8, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And here's what I wanted to show you. These scriptures are talking about the great tribulation. But this is why I think it's so near and so suddenly coming. Because you can go down the checklist and every one of these can fit the society we're living in right now. Right now. They all fit the society we living in perfectly right now as we speak. False teachers, false preachers, earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars, and you say, oh, Brother Marty, you're just trying to scare us, man. These things always been going on. Not like they're going on right now, folks. I had somebody tell me, oh, it's just because we have news now, more people are seeing it. No, that's not the case. Folks, there's so much violence and wickedness, and unrest. I mean, some people have turned the gospel into this mamby-pamby gospel, watered-down stuff, 
You give your heart to Jesus, you're going to be rich. You're never going to stump your toe. You're never going to have a headache. You're never going to have a heart attack. You're never going to get cancer. Folks, that's not the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ preached. Jesus said we're going to suffer for his name's sake. If they persecuted him, they're going to persecute us. When we serve him, he said, one must enter heaven through many trials and tribulations. The road to life is difficult, and there are few who find it. That's not what Jesus preached and taught. The world's going to disown us. The world's going to hate us. The world's going to come against us. But I want to tell you something, folks. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I can be confident in this very thing. He which begun a good work in me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in and through my body. Folks, I'm telling you, stand up in the name of Jesus. Therefore, James said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I still believe that the devil trembles at the name of Jesus. Then Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 5, and I want you to listen to this carefully. He says, realize that in the last days, difficult times will come. Folks, I believe I'm going to listen to the Apostle Paul instead of the false teachers and preachers. He didn't say put it on cruise control and nothing never's gonna, nothing's never going to go wrong. He said difficult times are going to come. Difficult times are going to come, Paul said. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. Realize in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will become lovers of self, lovers of money, driven by their own desire to make money and pleasure over the gospel, boastful, arrogant. Have you ever seen so many boastful and arrogant people in your life in the day and age we live in? Folks, I mean, listen to the way people talk about God. And the Bible says in the last days there'll be mockers, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers of God, shaking their fists to heaven and mocking God to his face. As if our God is so little he's nervous. Like he's trembling. Folks, I'm telling you, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're either going to bow now voluntarily or you're going to bow mandatorily one day. He says, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, Folks, is that, that's one of the signs of the end times, of the last days. Children disobedient. Listen to me, children. If you're disobedient to your parents and you're lying and you're not where you're supposed to be and you don't want to do what they're telling you to do, you're part of the prophetic word of God. I tell you, if you want to serve God and you say you love Jesus, the Bible says, honor your mother and your father for this is good in the sight of the Lord. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, Listen to this. Irreconcilable, Paul said, one of the signs of the last days. Folks, you got people sitting in churches that can't forgive each other. They won't be reconciled, but we won't revive them. Can't go across the aisle and say, brother, I've got some bad feelings about you, 
and I want to confess that as sin, and I want you to forgive me, because if we're going to see revival, we need to love each other and forgive each other, and we need to move on. Irreconcilable, folks. I've done it, and I know Pastor Dennis and Marvin's finally done it. You go to a funeral, they got siblings that can't get along. They hate each other with the mom or dad sitting there in a casket. Folks, I've been there. It breaks my heart, but I'm telling you, it happens often. Arguing over money, arguing over the inheritance, irreconcilable, can't get along, can't make up. Like kids crying over a toy and then going sitting in the corner and stewing. Folks, we ought to be more mature than that as the church of the living God. Irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, Paul said. This is all in 2 Timothy 3, chapter 1 through 5. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. He says, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You ever thought about that in these last days that we're living in? You want to know how most people ain't in church on Sundays and Wednesdays for prayer meeting and hear the Word of God preached? Because they're on the ball fields or on the lake riding in the boats and watching little Johnny play t-ball. And pews are empty, folks, because people have become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And if you go on, Paul explains what that means. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then we see the suddenness of Christ's return. Jesus says in verse 35, Be on your alert. You do not know when the master of the house is coming. Whether it in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. In case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. This word means to be lazy, indifferent. Backslidden, not ready. You ever thought about this tonight? Before the next word that comes out of my mouth, Christ could return. Before Tory gets up here to sing this invitation, Christ could return. Before we walk out that back door after this service is finished, Christ could return. Before you crank the engine on your vehicle, Christ could return. Before you lay your head down on the pillow tonight, Christ could return. Jesus says, be on your alert. I love what Titus says in chapter 2, 11 and 12, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. I'm telling you, we ought to be looking. We ought to be ready. We ought to be on our alert. The King of Kings is coming. The King of Kings is returning. The King of Kings is coming back for the bride of Christ. And if you are part of the bride, you should be looking and waiting and expecting and rejoicing. And like John on the island of Patmos and the book of Revelation, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly. I tell you what, folks, I'm ready. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to get on out of here. The suddenness of his return. How will you be found at the return of Jesus is the question tonight. 
I love the book of Revelation in 19, 11 and 16. The scriptures say these words, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are heaven in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Whoa, he is the king. The king of kings is coming back in all of his glory according to the word of God. I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me as a child of the living God. He came as a lamb. He's coming back as a roaring lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He came as Savior. He's coming back as judge. He came to make peace. He's coming to make war. He came on a donkey. He's coming back on a white stallion. Cowboy up, church. He came in love. He's coming back in wrath. Aren't you glad you're ready and you're washed by the blood of the lamb, church? And I must share with you before I close. Brother Marvin, I'm going to close one time tonight. You're about to see a miracle. I'm ready. I'm ready to get on out of here. People say, oh, I got my ticket. No, it's much more precious than a ticket. I'm covered by the precious blood of the Lamb, saved by the grace of God, Christ alone, grace alone. What breaks my heart, there are some of you sitting here tonight that are going to spend eternity in hell. And that breaks my heart. It's God's desire that no man would perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you tonight, his return is going to be sudden and it's going to be near. It's close, folks. All the signs of the end times are around us and people are just playing games, going through life, making jokes about God, mocking God, form of godliness but denying his power. Anybody can come to church and attend a revival. Anybody can go to church on Sunday mornings. I want to tell you something. Going to church don't make you a Christian. Coming to a revival meeting don't make you a Christian. Nicodemus was a very moral man. He was very religious. He knew the scriptures of God. He comes to Jesus at night, maybe for fear of the Jews, maybe to get some downtime by himself. Who knows? But he came to Jesus at night. Lord, we know that you are sent from heaven all the miracles and the authority and the works that you do. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, and all of his religion, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And the only way for you to get saved tonight, that if you're not ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, is to be saved. 
I had people tell me when I was a young preacher, uh, and I'm still young, I'm only 56. Why y'all use those words, born again? That's so offensive, that turns people off. Why do y'all use those words, saved? That's Baptist words. That's Bible words, folks. Saved from death, saved from hell, saved from the judgment of God, born again, something from above must happen. The Spirit of God must convict you and the Word of God must convict you. And once you realize your loss as you stand before a holy God and your sins all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. God demonstrated his own love towards us and now while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were still without strength and due time, Christ died for us and rose from the dead and is at the right hand of God. And the precious word of God says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. If you're not saved here tonight, you're going to spend eternity in the devil's hell. You will never, ever, ever have another opportunity to be saved. And yet, if you willingly come down here tonight when your pastor's going to come, when Brother Marvin comes up here, or Jonathan will be there, or Sam will be there, hey, just tell them. Brother Jonathan, Brother Sam, Brother Marvin, I know you can't save me. I know this church can't save me. But I'm lost. I'm on my way to hell. And I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to give me eternal life and to forgive me of all my sins. And if you'll repent and lay your life down for the Jesus that died for you on the cross, the just for the unjust, so that he could bring you to God, the Bible says he'll save you tonight. And he'll give you eternal life. But all of this words of travail that Jesus talked about, folks, it's coming. And it's a reality. Don't listen to the libtards in the world. I'm telling you, Christ is coming back. And you better be ready. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus, you will fire the church up, Lord God. We would live in light of eternity with Christ's return in view, Lord, that we would be alert. We would not fall asleep. We would not get lazy and indifferent. We'd put our hand to the plow and we wouldn't look back, Lord would be steadfast, immovable, and abounding in the faith as we have been taught. That you would move in mighty power during this invitation, Lord. If there are those who are here tonight that are lost and on their way to hell, I pray tonight would be the night that they repent and lay their lives down for Jesus and follow him because you love them, Lord, and you don't want to leave them in that lost state. In the name of Jesus, our great God and Savior, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to just ask you to stand with us. As we listen and obey the Lord, there's nothing more needs to be said. This is not a hard message to understand. It just needs to be received and accepted. So if you need to come tonight, I'm going to ask you to come and give your heart to Jesus as we sing.